Veterans Path, helping veterans find peace, acceptance, transformation, and honor through practical tools like meditation and mindfulness, physical and outdoor experiences, and a community of camaraderie. I'm John McCaskill, a Navy SEAL commander turned mindfulness teacher. Here on the Veterans Path podcast, I interview veterans, athletes, corporate leaders, and many others who found peace through the practices of meditation and mindfulness, breaking down the stigma of pursuing mental health and making it a priority, improving and saving lives. All right. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good day. I'm John McCaskill, your host, and thanks for tuning in to the Veterans Path podcast. Veterans Path is more than just a podcast. Veterans Path is a nonprofit introducing veterans to meditation and mindfulness, typically in outdoor settings, so that they can rediscover a sense of peace, acceptance, transformation, and honor. And that's where the word path and our name comes from. And the point of this podcast is to make people more aware of what we do to increase support of and attendance at our retreats, while simultaneously reducing the stigma around seeking mental health support. Listeners can directly support Veterans Path by clicking on the support button on the podcast or by visiting veteranspath.org forward slash donate. Today, my guest is Air Force veteran Tim Clund, or TK. After getting out of the Air Force, Tim was in a major car accident, giving him a traumatic brain injury, but also setting his life onto a new path. He became a sports marketing expert and now has his fingers in a lot of different pots. He is the CEO and founder of Verb Systems LLC, which is focused on health and performance enhancement products. He's the author of Stop Whining and Start Winning, and he's also founded the Memorial Day Celebrity Softball Classic, a fundraising game benefiting veteran service organizations. In this episode, we discuss sports marketing and personal branding, developing your network and leveraging the network you already have through your military transition, traumatic brain injury and recovering from such, health and performance, getting involved with your community and how important that is to your own mental health, his work with veteran nonprofits, and you are here for a reason. We've got a great show ahead of us here and we're gonna learn a lot more about Tim, but first I'm gonna stop right here for a quick plug from our sponsors. Welcome back. As mentioned in the intro, my guest today is United States Air Force veteran and corporate sports marketing relationship specialist, Tim Clund. Welcome to the show, Tim. I appreciate you having me, bro. That's a mouthful, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is, man. You're, you're a busy guy. Uh, and it seems uh, like you I know just to. about everyone. So how did that come to be? Yeah, I've been, it... really been really blessed with that. Um, you know, uh, honestly, um, again, just by the good Lord, man, be honest with you. I, uh, I came down to Texas in 99. Uh, um, was in a car accident, decided to change my life, go a different direction with my career. Uh, while I was at home waiting for the bells in my head to quit ringing for my accident, you know, my wife came in one day, I was like, Hey, what are we, you know, what's your game plan? And I was watching Jerry Maguire. And I was like, Oh, I think I'll be at Jerry Maguire. She was like, Oh my God, you freaking have hit your head way too hard. You know, you don't even know an athlete. You don't have a college degree. Like what, like, do you have a realistic go in life on what we're going to do here. Like something actually generates revenue. Yeah. And I was kidding with her. Like, I just think I'd be uh, really good at that. And, um, I'm I a people you not, person. Man. Damn just it. Good, <laughs> yeah. Just a good Lord had just put it together. Like probably within a month after that, I ran into, um, 
my first uh, my first athlete was Lemuel Stinson from Chicago Bears, two-time Pro Bowler, number 32. And uh, he and I caught up a conversation. And uh, about two weeks later, he was like, dude, I want you to handle all my stuff. And the funny thing is when he called me, and I was executive VP. Well, I was a VP at the time uh, for a corporation. I just started uh, when I got back in corporate world. I went back uh, as a VP. And so both both careers were kind of parallel at that time, just starting. And um, that was in 2001. And, um, yeah, Stinson was like, hey, I want you to handle this. And then I was kind of scared, to be honest with you. I was like, man, I don't I don't know if I can do it. I don't want you to put your family's financial future in my hands. And he was like, no, nah, I'll teach you everything you need to know. All you got to do is get me in there and uh, we'll split everything 50-50. And I was like, man, you keep you keep all of it. I just uh, I make good money. If I can help you, I'm in. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And that's kind of how we uh, got started. And then he and I started doing stuff. He started introducing me to other people. So he brought me to Larry, uh, Larry Brown and introduced me to Michael and just kind of just went crazy. So that was 19 years ago. Wow. Yeah. So I want to unpack a couple of things there. Um, one, networking that I want to come back to because our transitioning service members need to know the power of that. And then two, the, the car wreck you mentioned, uh, what, what exactly happened there? Uh, I was working seven days a week, um, driving home late set, uh, Saturday night. You know, it's one of those where you, you're kind of caught right on the fence post. Should I go ahead and spend the night here and drive home? But I'm only four hours away. It's 10, 10, 30. You know, I yeah. get home by 2, 2, 30, you know, and literally about 20 minutes before I got home, um, fell asleep, took out two big lipos, had to be careful. I had died four times. I mean, I got the full package. I had to have my whole face replaced uh, wow. about a week before my 30th birthday. And my 30th birthday, actually on my birthday, which was Friday 13th, October 13th, 2000, is actually when they did the operation to replace my face. So wow. as, a, as, as a, having a mom that's Catholic, you know, that's, oh, my gosh, if you don't do it, it's, you know, don't, I don't have good vibes Friday the 13th. But I'm like, it's going to be <laughs> fine. We'll get this thing done. So, but you know what? The reality, it was, a, it was actually a, a game changer in my life on several occasions because, you know, when I was in the Air Force, coming out of the Air Force, I didn't have a college education. Um, I actually left. I took the early out to go play college football at Southeast Missouri State. And, um, and then after talking to my brother and I had a, an older friend of mine that said, hey, come work for me in sales and here's what we're making. I was, well, okay. And I went and talked to Coach Mumford. Coach Mumford's like, yeah, come on. If you can make that type of money and you don't have to rack up student loan debt, that's where you need to go. Yeah. And so I kind of went that route. But I'd always, at, up to that point of that accident, I really had always thought, companies or corporations were doing me a favor by hiring me uh, even though I was the number one almost every single month every single year and everywhere I, everywhere I was as salesperson uh, and was getting re highly rewarded financially for it but again I always thought I was doing them a favor right and I was in the hospital my mom and I were talking and I told her that uh, you know I was worried about losing my spot as the general manager you know I got to find somebody else we got to relocate or I'm got to go down go down a notch and her response to me was, I would think they'd be more worried about losing you than you worried about losing them. Because I know what kind of money you're making. So if you're making that type of money, you must be making them a lot of money. So I would <laughs> think it'd be the other way around, Tim. And that's really the first, and that was, like I said, right before my 30th birthday, that was really the first, like, wait a minute. That was kind of like that flash of genius of, wait a minute, you know, she's got something here. And, um, so that kind of changed my mindset a little bit of, Instead of reacting, I'm acting. I'm pushing forward on everything. I'm not sure. going to let somebody dictate my future at that point. Um, so that was a big part of it. Yeah, that accident actually played a, a vital role in, into where I am today. 
Yeah, and the other piece that you mentioned before, but I just want to unpack a little bit, that was a vital part in where you are today is is the networking that you did, and I'm in this uh, this program right now called the Honor Foundation. It's a uh, you know military transition program, but they mentioned the value of networking. They they uh, try to have every participant do at least 50 cups of coffee because each cup of coffee leads to another one and you know it eventually expands your network uh, significantly but can you speak to the the power of networking and your personal experience with that yeah so um i'm not a big believer in networking oh really not <laughs> yeah no i'm not a big i'm not a big um because there's a really good book by a friend of mine bob bodine here in dallas and he wrote um the power of who Okay. Great book. Got to read it. And basically his entire book is like, hey, pretty much everybody you need to know is already in your circle of influence. And that most people are, are spending more time trying to find that next person than just looking at really who they already have. I mean, mm -hmm. if you went through your LinkedIn or your emails or your just your phone database and really started putting some time in who you already know, uh -huh. you'd probably be amazed at how many actual unbelievable great contacts you already have. But a lot of people spend a lot of time, which to me is your most valuable commodity in trying to develop more relationships, right? Mm -hmm. Now there's some that come great, like our boy, Big Walter introducing us yeah, a long sure. time ago. You know, those are, you know, and again, when it comes from a friend to a friend, that's a different networking compared to, hey, I'm going to this networking event and here I am and let me just start introducing myself. And it's almost like speed dating. Yeah, it you is. You know, trying to talk to a hundred people in one night and give it all these cards. And you know, the reality is, um, and again, even the people at that is the same thing because that's all they know, right? Success yep. is by design. People are saying, oh, get out and network. I tell you where I find the biggest and fastest way to expand your network is getting involved philanthropically. Yeah. And right after my accident, again, when I was a VP, we had, um, you know, and I had 100 salespeople underneath me, phones, all inbound phone calls. We were spending a ton of money on national media. And so, you know, I'm not a big fan of the human resources lady coming in going, hey, I need your entire sales team in this meeting today from one to two o'clock. And for what? Well, we got big brothers, big sisters here today. And, you know, they want to talk to us. And I'm going, yeah, how much we're spending on every one of those. Every time that phone rings, you know how much that costs this company? And you want to take my entire sales floor off those phones yeah. for big brothers, big sisters. And she was like, yeah. And I was like, OK, well, we'll, we'll do it then. So we did. And the poor girl was big brothers, big sisters. You know, she was young and she's trying to give us her big brothers, big sisters feel. And I mean, the, you could hear the phones ringing. Every salesperson's in there like, kill me at this point. Like I, every time you hear a phone <laughs> ring, it's like ching, 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 ching. I'm losing money, right? Right. So it's kind of finally like in a nice way. I was like, sweetheart, do we have a finish here? Or like kind of tell me where we're at. What do you need from us? Yeah. And she's How like, well, we I'm help? looking for volunteers. Who would want to be mentors? Uh -huh. And I look around the room. Nobody raises their hand. So I was like, you know what? I'll take the lead. I'll be a mentor. Bring uh -huh. me that package. I'll sign up. A couple other people did at that point. Sales team back on the phones and away we went. And I signed up, kind of forgot about it. And then Big Brothers Big Sisters called me about a month later and like, hey, we, you know, we want to talk to you. And I went home and told my wife and she's like, oh my God, you got three kids already. Like, when are you going to have time <laughs> to be a mentor at this point? And probably one of the best things ever happened to me, um, for just not me, my entire family. Um, we ended up, uh, got a young man by the name of Jeremy Harris at 12 years old in Dallas Fort Worth. He's from one of the toughest neighborhoods and um, man, me and him uh, just really hit it off. He was almost like a big brother to my oldest son. They're about three years apart. Nice. So my oldest son was always going with me. He's and on the weekends, you know, I was doing a lot of stuff with athletes at that time. So they were going with me and it just, that's how I got involved. And then 
I got Big Brother of the Year in um, the Horizon Big Brother Year, which is Big Brother Year for two years or under of being in the program. Mm-hmm. And that's when I met the CEO at that time, Charles Pearson, who's still a big brother of mine and a great mentor of mine, who ended up being uh, the national CEO before it was over with, before he actually retired and went back into the uh, public world. But um, he and I was just like, hey, there, I think there's a way we can work together to help big brothers with some of my friends of influence. Maybe we can help each other out. So he and I started doing stuff, and then he started introducing me to his circle. Yeah, and that's really where the networking comes from. It's it's what circle because birds have a feather, right? Sure. So you have different circles up the ladder, and yeah. I kind of look, look like a Christmas tree, right? What circle on that Christmas tree? Because you really want to be in that last fake piece of Christmas tree you put on you. <laughs> you want to be in this top part. You don't yeah. really. It's great to have all this, but this is really where the meat and potatoes are made. And uh, so yeah, he started introducing me to some very influential people here in DFW. And again, I'd only been here probably three or four years. And, uh, that's really, that's really what helped me out. And then from there, that circle expanded me to their circles. And then it took off pretty quick. And then same thing from, uh, professional athletes and celebrities, you know, Dallas is such a hub. We have so many, I think we have 3,500 professional athletes, celebrities, actors that live here in DFW at some time of the year. So depending on what off season you catch them, where we're all at, usually about this time of year with, uh, you know, the football and then uh, your basketball season when it gets there, probably at the end of summer, actually, uh, is when everybody kind of starts coming in and you're hanging out. And, um, and then the Super Bowl events and all the other events, it was just, it's just taken off. So I've had a corporate circle of great influencers and mentors. And then same thing from the celebrity side sure. that, you know, if you, and, and, and the other side is on you too, you got to do. You, you got to live up to your name. You got to do what's right. You got to, because it's hard to get in those circles. It's real easy to get out. Yeah. And to be in those circles for 19 years um, is not easy. <laughs> well, right. Uh, yeah, definitely. So, a couple of things there. One, the, uh, the networking that I was referring to isn't necessarily the formal networking. It's much like the networking you were t- just talking about, the right. leveraging the, the network that you already have to expand. The introductions your are the best network. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah, introductions absolutely. are the best network. Yep. And then the second piece you talked about, hey, you can get kicked out of those networks pretty quick or, you know, you, you kind of ruin your name. You don't live up to the brand that you have established. I want to talk about branding for, again, for our transitioning service members or for those who are recently gotten out. Um, what does that mean, branding campaigns? And then how should a military member or transitioning service member take what you're teaching celebrities and athletes and apply that in their lives. Yeah, I actually teach it to everybody. Um, everybody has a brand, you know, from Michael Jordan and everybody gets paid based off their brand. So what happened is probably about 18, 19, 17, 18, 19 years ago, I had a, uh, wide receiver on the Cowboys who um, actually he was so good he never got to play with the Cowboys but was on the team for all three rings he was scout player and um, when I first started and man he and I were doing a bunch of stuff he's Super Bowl Cowboy right yeah. but nobody really knew of him because he never saw the field he was so good they never played him that's how good he was um, they just kind of kept him you know break glass in case of emergency but <laughs> never saw him in preseason he was phenomenal and he and honestly he almost to a certain extent, really kind of got ripped off, in my opinion. He got three Super Bowl rings, but if he had been, if somebody would have saw him and picked him up and put him on another team, like, and I think of like a Danny Amendola, when he first tried out for the Cowboys, he went to the scout team. Right when the season started, Philly picked him up off our scout team. 
Um, you know, then he makes Phillies. Now look where his career ended up. Mm-hmm. This guy, David Lucas, would have been the same way. But what I started seeing is how I could take his name and put him in certain circles, and he would be uh, valuable. And I remember telling my wife one day, like, you know, if I could take, uh, you know, fifth-string receiver from the Cowboys that nobody knows and make him famous, I don't know why I can't do that with my own brand, with the people I know and what we're doing and everything else. Yeah. And, again, it's really just about two things, being involved, getting involved in your community, uh, you know, working your rear end off and doing things that, probably aren't always the most efficient. A lot of the stuff doesn't pay. Um, You know, a lot of the celebrity games and everything we do to help raise money for different causes, it it doesn't pay. But uh, for me, it does from a relationship standpoint. Cash-wise, it doesn't. But you know it takes me six to nine months to put one of these games on. Yeah. And it's a lot of work, and that's a lot of behind the scenes. And, you know, it's not an easy or really uh, overly fun. It's kind of like practicing. But then you get to the game, and it's like, oh, man, birthing pains. All that headache and pains paid off and it's just so excited and great and worth it and then you go okay we'll take a break off take about a month off and start again so it's those type of things that um again when you're working on your brand and building your brand it's just getting involved and rolling your sleeves up and just getting started a lot of people you know i speak to uh, a lot of groups transitioning uh, from the military down in san antonio and it's kind of funny if you're a four to six year guy transitioning you're just like any job on the planet. I mean, I just <laughs> yep. need to find a job. Yeah. Then you're 10 to, you know, 10 to 20 year, maybe not retired. You stayed in this. You're kind of like, I want to come in, but I'm not willing to take just any job. I kind of need this job. Uh-huh. And then your retirees are going, hey, I'm a management guy, you know, and I call. I said, yeah, there's a difference between corporate management and coffee cup manager, management in the military. You know, being an Air Force guy. Not your six year in the in the military based on your shop or your your career field. Yeah. You start getting into the coffee cup managers, right? I call them <laughs> coffee cup managers. They walk around all day at their big old yeah. coffee cup mug, pointing out stuff, and hey, you need to go do this and do that. Like Lumberg in the office space. Pretty close, right? Yeah. And but it's kinda like that's not reality on the corporate side. And that's why I tell a lot of my retirees and I work with everybody from colonels to generals to you name it. Um, all the way from senior enlisted to senior officers that are calling me going, Hey, I need your help. Right. And the fact of the matter is, is, um, it's like, yeah, I get you put 20 years in the military. Thank you. It's awesome. But that VP or that corporate executive or whoever, they probably put 20 years in their corporation too Yeah. to get to their spot. And they didn't just walk in off the street and go, here you go. Right. So the thing with transitioning is number one, just get in somewhere, just get in of where you would like to be in at. What what career field would you want to be in? What do you want to do? Just get in. Yeah. Because the cream always rises to the top. And if you get in there, you're first one in, last one out, and y'all work all the civilians that have gotten lazy, it's easy. It, you take <laughs> off pretty quick. But that's kind of the thing. Everybody kind of gets stuck in that, ah, I can't, I just can't find it. No, you can. You just can't find the, the piece of cake job you want. Yeah. That's the problem. And again, if you're not out, you know, getting involved, networking, that's the other thing I tell a lot of the uh, current enlisted, uh, not current enlisted, just current active duty military, again, enlisted or officers, is get involved. When you get to your first duty assignment, after you get things going, you get, you know, your things rolling, start looking off base in the community. It's a big brothers, big sisters. There's right. other foundations locally that you can get involved with and just go be a volunteer and, and, and don't just put yourself in that circle of the, of the military as your circle of influence. I was very fortunate when I was in the military because I got to play um, 
uh, semi-pro football downtown when I got back from the Philippines. So most of the guys I actually ran with, and then I got hurt and I played, you know, softball seven days a week, all Air Force softball traveling, had a pretty good career in the military playing sports basically. But <laughs> most of my people were all on the civilian side, you know, from playing football. Um, I think there was one guy from Fort Carson. I was at Peterson Air Force Base. We had one Army guy on the team. So we were really the only military guys playing on the semi-pro team. The rest of them were all civilians. Oh, they're all in Colorado. College football. Yeah, Colorado Springs. Yeah, and, that's where I plan to retire. Uh, and then there, there's no, no place better except Texas. But, uh, <laughs> and then, uh, and then uh, you know, again, playing softball on the base team, which correlated off to the softball world on the civilian side and playing with the civilians, and then all Air Force team, and then playing on some traveling civilian teams. So my network was really, I would say – Almost 60, 40 civilian, to be honest with you. Wow. I was almost more civilian. One of my, my, my daughter's godfather, who I played semi-pro football with, he was like, dude, four and a half years, I never even saw you in uniform. <laughs> That's true. I mean, I, I would, you know, I worked till four o'clock. I changed in my office. You know, yeah. I was an electrician. Changed in the shop. Man, I'm gone at 401, right? And that's the old Air Force thing. I mean, it's great with the structure, but it was kind of one of those, you know, you might beat me at work, but you'll never beat me home. <laughs> type deals in the Air Force. So yeah. it was good, but you know, I didn't really get my worth ethic and really the structure from the Air Force really helped, but my worth ethic started when I got out and started working in retail sales mm -hmm. seven days a week, 12, 14 hours a day, um, which I loved. I mean, I fell in love with it. And then, like I said, after my car accident, it was like, okay, I'm not doing seven days a week. Now let's shift over to, let's go to the next level. Yeah. And that's when uh, I went into the actual corporate world of your normal corporate you know, uh, entity, right uh, you know, more Monday, Friday type deal. So, yep. Yeah. And you, uh, you mentioned, you know, finding the industry, you talked about the coming in at different levels, whether it's four to six years or 10 to 19, you know, just, just sub retirement. And then those who are retiring and what their different expectations are, I think identifying the industry that you want to go into is the key that you hit on there. And I, I fully agree with that. Identifying the industry first and then figuring out what it is you want to do within that industry is the next piece. But get your foot in the door in that industry first. Just um, get somewhere first. Yep. You mentioned, uh, you know, the, the celebrity softball game where you touched on it there briefly. And, and obviously, Veterans Path, we are a nonprofit. And I know that you're heavily involved in, in some of the nonprofits that you were just discussing before. Can you tell us a little bit about that celebrity softball game? Uh, you know, uh, who comes, how that came to be, and what what benefits, or rather, what foundations it benefits? Yeah. So the so what happened is getting in with Big Brothers Big Sisters first and doing a lot more with civilian charities because when I got out of the military in '95, it was kind of like I'm out, you know. And I went back home to Southeast Missouri, and uh, there wasn't there wasn't a better uh, presence like there is today in a lot of cities or especially in Dallas, Fort Worth. Um, so I just went, I mean, I literally went right into the civilian world. And then mm -hmm. when I came down here, I was with Big Brothers Big Sisters. And then what happened is T. Boone Pickens created a military mentors in Big Brothers Big Sisters around probably 2007. And what he wanted to do is create a mentorship for uh, young uh, boys and girls who maybe parents are deployed or, you know, maybe the mom needs some help. Dad's deployed. Mom's deployed. Can we can we get somebody kind of as that role model to fit back in while mom and dad's deployed? Right. And so Kibu created that, and then they they hired a military individual to run that, and he came up to me one day and was like, hey, you know, you're a veteran. Why don't you do it more in the veteran community? I was like, man, be honest with you, I really don't know a lot of people in the veteran community. I just am not that engaged. You know, I, I belong to my little American Legion, 
but it's fun sitting in there with my Vietnam and sometimes World War II buddies and drinking a beer here and there. Uh, But that's about it. And, uh, you know, and then he was like, well, you know, um, I'd love to help you out. And he introduced me to a couple foundations. And then uh, the really the first one I got involved with was Lone Survivor Foundation with Marcus Trail. Um, Terry Young was their executive director at the time. We had met at a golf golf tournament. He asked me if I'd get involved with them, help out. And that's really, it was kind of like, hey, what can we do to have some fun, raise some money? And again, from a selfish standpoint of missing playing softball, and I just know how everybody could pretty much play it was like, hey, why don't we do a celebrity softball game? So 2015 was the first one we did. It was all celebrities versus veterans. And it was co-ed, and it was made up of our veterans were amputees, guys and girls have been blown up, able-bodied veterans like myself, just a whole gumbo pile of suit of the <laughs> veterans. Well, same thing with the um, celebrity team. You know, I got Jenny Finch came and played, Roger Clemens. Uh, Marcus got Taylor Kish and Willie Robertson to come play. And then we just had, I mean, everybody from Dan Pastorini, it was all up and down. Again, big old gumbo thing of soup of celebrities. And it was, it turned out to be a big hit. I mean, everybody loved it, everybody enjoyed it. Um, And uh, we did pretty well. And that was in Houston. Second year, we did one in Colorado Springs. I figured with the military, it'd be fun to bring celebrities in. Got absolutely annihilated on that one. That's where I learned my lesson. Like, why am I flying everybody out of Dallas Fort Worth to come to? This is ridiculous. Yeah. Like, let's figure out what we can do in Dallas Fort Worth. So, the next one in 2017, I called Clemens and uh, called the Rockets beginning of 2017. Somebody had called me and said something about going to UTOU game, and I was trying to figure out what kind of game I want to do at the time. Do we want to do Cowboys offense versus Cowboys defense, retirees, or how do we want to? What do we want to do? And when I had my friend call me on that. Um, about going to the game that fall, I thought, man, that would be a fun game. And I called Clemens and said, hey, what do you think about this game? He's like, dude, put it together. So I called Terry Young from Lone Survivor Foundation and said, hey, would you guys like to be partners in this first year event? Which they did. And what we did on that first year is we actually had OU alumni versus UT alumni. Toby Keith, Matthew McConaughey came and played. And we had veterans on both teams. And again, able-bodied veterans, veterans who've been blown up, amputees. And it was a lot of fun. It was a great kickoff to get that thing going. And then um, after that, Lone Survivor was just like, hey, and Marcus Atrell came and played in it. I mean, it was a lot of fun. And then after that, Lone Survivor was like, hey, it's just, you know, we love you. We love to be a part of it. It's just we can't really, that's not our forte of doing those things. Can can we somehow stay involved but not have to really do anything, basically? And so I called Rocket. Rocket was like, hey, why don't me, you and Matthew and Toby partner up? They want to do it. Let's all four be partners in this. We'll raise money for our foundations and we'll donate $10,000 check to uh, Lone Survivor every year. So that's how that took off. So after the second year, all my other celebrities who aren't OU or UT alumni started complaining, uh, guys and girls, this sucks. You know, where's our game? And I was like, let me think about this. And then uh, I happened to be in Clint Bruce's office one day. If you know Clint Bruce, he was a Navy SEAL. And yeah, I know Clint. He's stud. He, uh, he's, him and Stephen Holly found to carry the load. Yep. And I was in there talking to Clint about who knows about what. And it was just kind of like, hey, you know, when's carry the load festivities? Is that Saturday, Sunday? When he goes, oh, all our stuff is Sunday and Monday. And I was like, man, you guys want to do a celebrity game on Saturday to benefit carry the load. We'll do it Memorial Day weekend and we'll just make a big co-ed game and uh, he was like, dude, absolutely. Called Debbie Wright. So we did. Debbie Wright was like, absolutely. So our first game last year was benefit carry the load. We did on Memorial Day game. I think we put it together in probably less than 50 days. Uh, pulled it off. We had Don Graves, uh, World War II uh, survivor. He was uh, Iwo Jima victor, as uh, Clint Bruce would say. You know, a lot of people say Iwo Jima survivors. 
And Clint Bruce is like, mm, he walked off that island as a victor, not as a survivor. I like That's that. He was a victor, and I was like, noted. So, um, <laughs> you know, I think this year Woody Williams, um, Medal of Honor recipient. Um, also, he was a victor, and Don Graves is coming back. You know, these guys are 95, 97 years old, and it's crazy. I talked to Don about a month ago. And he's like, oh, I'm getting a hip replacement, you know. <laughs> If I'm if my if I'm good to go, I'm there, and I'm thinking the hip replacement. <laughs> like it's it's amazing. These guys are just they're they're so badass. Anyway, um, so yeah, that's how it started this year. Uh, after last year's game, which did well, then I had all my veterans call, complaining guys and girls. Well, this sucks. Now you got them. What about us? We don't get to play in these anymore. <laughs> so this year we're actually doing a celebrity veteran game based of co-ed veteran influencers within the veteran community. And, um, I mean, there's some phenomenal names. And then uh, they'll have the game right before the celebrity game. And then this year's game will be March, or May 16th in a Benefits Votes of Honor. Nice. Carry the Carry is still involved, and we're kind of using that game to kind of help educate everybody that, hey, next weekend, Memorial Day weekend, we're doing this with Carry the Load, come out, blah, blah, blah. But we're doing it the weekend before Memorial Day weekend to kind of help kick off Carry the Load's weekend as well. So you basically got three games lined up over two weekends, the veteran celebrity game, the celebrity game, and then the Carry the Load game. Well, we're not going to Carry the Load game. We're not going to do that. We're just moving that up to the week before, and then Uh, we're just making that weekend. And then we'll kick off. We'll just educate everybody on their weekend to Uh, try to help push for the Carry the Load. It's just too crazy on Memorial Day weekend, especially for our corporate sponsors. Sure. Carry the load had nine million things going on, moving parts, and it was just really hard last year. So I was like, Debbie, let's move it up a, a week. We'll help, you know, kick off your weekend basically a weekend ahead of educating. We should have about five thousand people at this game, I would, I would awesome. think. And then our uh, Red River game this year will be our fourth game, fourth year, and that's October eighth in Dallas. Okay. And again, OT and Matthew and everybody will be there. Got so, it. Oh, that's awesome, man. <laughs> so for me, it's, for me, it's just um, you know. It's, Two big family reunions of all the best of the best and my friends, really. <laughs> and it's just a big party. I'm lucky enough. I get to. I know everybody. I'm the one who gets to pick teams. Yeah. And <laughs> so it's great. I, I know everybody who comes in. Um, so it's just a, a joy. And then that's, again, that's the payoff for me yeah. personally at the end of the day where you're like, oh, we raised money. We had a ton of fun. Got to see everybody. I didn't have to, you know, I literally stayed in my own neighborhood. So I didn't have to fly anywhere to see all these people. So it makes it great. Yeah. And at that time, too, it's, I love it because talking about networking our veterans get to network celebrities they get to network other veterans you know there's some unbelievable opportunities that come together for everybody from these games because again i know everybody not everybody else knows everybody so as they're introducing and meeting and greeting and making new relationships it really is an unbelievable opportunity for them to expand their brand sure i mean you're the you're the super connector there man that's uh that's beautiful that's that that is awesome it's all from a selfish standpoint Well, another part of what you do that we've discussed in the past and and prior to the show being recorded here today, you work uh, in the health and wellness industry. Can you speak specifically about what you're doing there and how, again, how that piece of your life came to be? Yeah, so um, in 2008, uh, when the economy was pretty much taking a dump, my shareholders called me in. The second thing that was a big eye-opener for me was in 2007, about the time the economy really started taking a hit and then you know we're going into the presidential campaign so our media calls were out the roof at this point running national media for our our team our uh, company and so shareholders started looking ways to cut well they ended up getting rid of our vp who was over customer service and uh he was probably about he's 55 at the time i believe a phenomenal guy had you know 
bachelor's and master's and, you know, had all the boxes checked. Super, super phenomenal individual. But they got rid of him because, um, you know, his $125,000, $130,000, whatever he's making per year, wasn't generating revenue. Um, so they were looking at ways to save, so they let him go. Well, anyway, one morning I came in, they had let him go, and I was a little upset about it that they let him go, but went in and tried to calm him down. And we started talking. I was uh, not even 37 at the time. I was 36, getting returned 37. And after he sat down, I started catching his breath. He was like, man, do not let this happen to you. He was like, I have worked my entire life out of college for corporations. I have missed my kids' birthdays, vacations, you name it. I have sacrificed for these companies, and I'm out. I don't have anything so forth. I'm 55 mm -hmm. years old. I, I don't. I, nobody's hiring me anytime soon. We're in, going into the worst economic times. Everybody was getting laid off. Mm -hmm. People with PhDs were getting laid off because, again, the people who make the most money at that point get cut, right? So, um, so there's an abundance of high-end, unbelievable managers and in executives that were in the work looking for a job at that time and a lot right. of them just went into retirement but um so he was like look don't let this happen to you. you're young you don't even need the corporate world look you work with all your celebrities you got all these other things going on do not let this happen to utk and man that was probably the biggest gut punch like not only feeling bad for him but then all of a sudden i'm going hey yeah like if i got let go today man what am i you know i got some other opportunities but wait a minute He's completely making sense here. Yeah. So that whole year, I was just like, man, what could I do? And kind of fighting a little bit. And then I got a call about 1030 on June 1st um, at night. One of my shareholder good friends. And he was like, hey, you think you can come in here like 7 a.m. in the morning? We just want to catch up with you and we need your help. And I was like, well, I'm out of here. It's, you know, I'm making more than CEO with bonuses. So it's time TK's, TK's out of here, right? So I had kind of prepared myself on the way in and was actually pretty excited about, hey, if I'm going to go make millions of dollars, I'm going to do it for myself. I'm going to yeah. quit making these corporates. I'm out of here. And um, the only difference between them and me is that they took the risk and then hired me. And I was like, you know what? I I'm, I'm going to go figure something else out here. And I wasn't even 30. I was only 37. June 2nd, 2008, went in there. And uh, I remember I had this big old can of Rockstar, sugar-free, <laughs> the white can. My oh, sponsors yeah. that goes on it. And uh, so I was kind of amped up anyway, waiting for it. And um, they're like, hey, we need to get rid of about half this company today. We need so we need you to figure out who you're firing. Basically, you go fire. Them. We wow. need to get rid of half this company, which would have been at that point, probably about 100 and some change. And people. I, oh, oh, probably over 100 people. Jeez. And they wanted me to pretty much start liquidating. And I thought about it. And I was like, you know what? I'm not firing anybody today. You can start with my salary. I'm out of here. Wow. And uh, they're like, yeah, that's not going to happen. I was like, oh, it just happened. Like, literally, I'm fighting now at this point with, with my shareholder friends. Yeah. They're going, you're not quitting. One was like, you know, F you, get out of here, you know, blah, blah, blah. About two or three others were like, don't listen to him. Don't leave. You're fine. Let's just calm down. Let's get rid of these people. And I was like, nope. Literally went to my office, talked to one of them who's a dear friend, packed my stuff. I was gone. I was probably home by one o'clock. Wow. And uh, I remember coming home. My wife's like, stay at home, mom. I had two young kids at the time, not super young, seventh grade and probably fourth grade. What are you doing home? Oh, yes, yeah, a funny thing. Uh, I resigned. <laughs> what? Like, what are we going to do for money? I don't know. But I'm not working there no more, and I'm not going to let, you know, 100 plus people go to that. Yeah. It's not happening. And uh, 
for the next two years, literally got our rear ends handed to us. And, um, and then good Lord, you know, uh, turned things around and got a phone call and got into performance mouthpieces and then was a co-founder of a company of performance mouthpieces and then, um, and health and wellness side. And then, um, in 2016, I told him, go ahead and buy me out. Uh, 2017 ended up just, again, had a little cash. What am I going to do? Trying to refigure what I want to do. And, um, that's the first year we did the first game with, uh, you know, the OUUT game. Mm-hmm. I wrote a book called Stop Whining, Start Winning because I was kind of in that mode a little bit. Like, yeah. man, here I am. I put all this work in. Here I am now. We're getting ready. I'm 46. Woe is me. Back to square one. Blah, blah, blah. And so uh, through uh, one of my other veteran friends who owns Tactical 16, which is a veteran publishing company, he kept calling me. He said, man, you know, got an amazing story write your book and, and i wrote it and i was like i read it and i was like this book sucks and it's not me i wouldn't even, you know, i'd be i'd be upset if i bought this book so i called him back so i'm not doing it i said the only way i'll do it is if you let me write a self-help book it's gonna be fast and furious no bs um i just want to be able to help people get from a to z especially younger people like yeah. if i could go back and tell my 17 18 20 year old 25 year old self here's here's the see here's some here's some building blocks what would those things be and that's what I went back and did. And one of them is there is a chapter on branding in that book. But um, so I did that. And then I had some other people call me in the mouthpiece industry saying, hey, I, I see you're no longer with them. Come with us. It's just kind of like, Ugh, you know, I don't want to go build somebody else's company. I was kind of now stuck back to where I was. You know, wait, like here I am now going to go build somebody else's dream. And so my wife, since 2008, was like, go back to the corporate world. Go back to the corporate Forget all this entrepreneur crap. Go back to corporate world, right? Uh, when we were making filthy money. But, you know, again, I was just like my other friend. I was lucky if I got a 10-day vacation. But the rest of the time, my wife and kids got to enjoy the most of it. I mean, I was I was on the hump every day. And yeah. uh, and then, again, we work professional athletes and celebrities, too. You got to fit that into everything else. So I was constantly busy. So um, I didn't want to go back to that lifestyle. And uh, so it was funny when I hung up the phone with one of the people calling me, offering me an unbelievable opportunity to come with them. I'm going to the phone. My wife, it's probably about 930 at night. My wife's just on the couch eating popcorn. And who is that? I told her. And she said, uh, I don't know why you don't start your own company. And it was like, what? And she's like, I don't know why you don't. Everybody's calling you because yeah. you have the relationships. you got access to financial. Um, you can help raise money. Everybody's trying to call you to get you to do that for them. Why don't you just do your own? So it really hit me hard. So here's a lady for eight years have been up my rear end about going back to the corporate world that now is going, Hey, let's go. <laughs> so, um, so I kind of had it, I got through the celebrity game and probably through the month of November of just kind of contemplating. And then I started calling the experts I needed saying, Hey, if I do this, what do you think? And every one of them was like, count me and I'm with you. So we started building a team first before we even really had a product, what we we're going to do. Uh, we had an idea what we were going to do, but we really didn't have nothing firmed. And then we all got together first of December in L.A. And then uh, I think we got our investment package done around May of 18. And that's kind of when we launched. And um, as we were raising money and moving forward in 2019, the uh, farm bill was passed. And again, my passion with veterans, especially on the suicide uh, side of the house. Uh, some of my NFL guys were going through it, retirees. Um, I had seen what CBD was doing to help a lot of these guys get off prescription meds. Mm-hmm. So my partner, Raj, and I started actually looking into the CBD world. What do you think? How can we do this? And we ended up saying, hey, while we're building the other side, 
let's get into the CBD side. And um, so we did. We got in that June, uh, July 1st of 19, and it's been unbelievable. And um, in this December, we'll probably be when we run national commercials on our other product uh, right after the election. We were wanting to do it earlier. And again, I forgot the, the election costs. And thanks to Mike Bloomberg paying about 15 times per commercial, and what's that out there right now? Everybody was going. I would wait till after the election, and then let's yeah. run these national. So that's a good point. Uh, yeah, I never thought about. Yeah. So we started doing that, and um, and then it was kind of like you know a lot of my veterans, you know, CBD is expensive to make, and we're we have uh, not bragging, but we have the number one supplier in America, and our costs are lower than anybody else at the at the same. If you can't, if you apples and apples, everybody, we're lower than everybody already to begin with, mm-hmm. and I have a you know, again, not just me personally, because we've done the research, have probably one of the top products on the market from tinctures to our creams to everything we do. And um, I started having veterans call and go, man, I, I, I love your product. I can't afford it. Can you give me any help? And so me and my partner, Raj, went back. And, and my partner, Raj, is best friends with Gary Sinise. He created the whole Gary Sinise Foundation with Gary, his website, his whole yeah. branding side. He's he's the branding guy. I call him Willy Wonka. He's the guy that Loves to sit in a Scottsdale, Arizona home and go play golf and come back and have a few cocktails while he's barbecuing. And he's kind of like that guy who probably just sits all day and looks at that Rubik's Cube. That's what he does with Burb, right? <laughs> so I'm the guy, that relationship guy, that just keeps throwing stuff over on him like, hey, Raj, figure this out. <laughs> so that's why we have such a great relationship. But, you know, working with Raj, we, we thought about We're like, hey, we're just going to give a 50% discount 24-7, 365 days to our veterans, our law enforcement, our first responders and their, and their families. And we're not asking for information. I hate as a veteran going to a website and I got to log in and I got to put all my personal information in to verify I'm a veteran. And yeah, I'm not yeah. doing that. We're not doing that. It's, it's on the honor system. And you know, I have some other people go, well, what if, what if a veteran buys and they're not a veteran? Uh, if they need the, if they need it that bad. Okay. We're here. We're here to help. We're not yeah. trying to be like every other CB that the CBD side of us is in our business. So I always tell everybody, we're in this business, but my wife's like, yeah, you haven't launched that product yet, so you kind of are in the CBD. Yeah. Now, just on not losing money, it can help people. We're fine. We're good. So that's what we created. And um, even for my retired NFL guys and professional athletes, we have that coming. As a matter of fact, press release is dropping today on that, that we're going to give them 50% off. Wow. And then it's funny, my wife was telling me last night, like, I don't know why you just don't give everybody 50% off because everybody needs a break. And so that's probably what's next is just like, you know, guys, <laughs> just cut the price. You know, off. here's our price. It's just 50 percent off. Go help yourselves. <laughs> and you know, Everybody get, get well. Right. So that's probably the next one on the list. Uh, you know, I mean, you know, I'm CEO and founder of her, but I have a CEO I report to. And she's usually a lot brighter than I am. Yeah. So last night we're at the Mavs game. She's like, I don't know why you just don't do this for everybody. And it's like, yeah, maybe we will. So. Um, so, again, you know, we're, we're here to help people. CBD has been a, a phenomenal product a healthy product to help our veterans get off the prescription meds and i feel like our suicide rate is up because our veteran population is being over medicated with prescription meds mm-hmm. and you know there's a lot of individuals i know that are taking 20 to 30 pills a day and all those chemicals in your body is just not a good thing and then right. if you add self-medication whether alcohol or you smoke weed on top of it some i know some guys have done heroin on top of that concoction of all those chemicals and you're all over the place. And, you know, and I just feel like a lot of our veterans, if you talk to them on a, on a normal day when they're not in that situation, they would, never, they would never put a gun in their mouth. They would never commit suicide. 
And then you find out when they did, you're just like, there's no way, yeah. no way of a sound. Somebody did that. And, uh, and then I, I saw an even disturbing fact yesterday. Cause the, the, the notion is it's all combat veterans yeah. that are committing suicide. And I just saw a statistic yesterday that 40%, 46% of our veterans commit suicide or actually no combat experience, wow. which is even more. Frightening. And then, you know, our active duty, um, is up about two a day, which is yeah. frightening. I think a lot of it, again, it, we, we have become, if you remember prescription meds, they were short, you, they were developed for short-term use, not long-term use. So it used to be like, take these pills for a month, get past what you need and get moving on. Right. And then mm-hmm. in 2000, we started developing the Prozacs and the, all these pills that all of a sudden now you got to take these daily in your lives. Right. Well, your body starts becoming immune to that stuff. So then what, what's next? Yeah. It's just like living blocks of all these chemicals that keep getting added to your, your, your body, right? And that stuff is just not good for you. And, uh, I mean, if you listen to a commercial on TV about a new drug coming in the market, I mean, my God, by the time you listen to the disclosure at the end, why would anybody even try it? Yeah. Right? Yeah. We do because why? Our docs tell us, right? Our docs tell us to do it, and we trust our doctors, and that's why we do it. And um, But, again, and then I looked at – was World War One, World War Two, Vietnam, Korea? Were those wars any worse than Afghanistan and Iraq? Because we didn't have a suicide problem there. We only have a suicide problem on this end, post 9/11. Yeah. So I started going, well, let's see. World War One, when you got deployed, you got you didn't come home. World War One, World War Two, when you were deployed, you were gone yeah. until the war is over. Yeah. You could be gone one year, five years. years, whenever. When the war is over, we'll see you if you make it. Right. Vietnam, that was a one war, but as you know, a lot of guys had to end up going back. Um, and that's so World War One, World War Two, we didn't have prescription meds. Um, we didn't really have her, uh, heroin and marijuana as much in, the, in those days. So what did they turn to? Alcohol. If you think about your grandpa, like my grandpa, my great grandpa, you come you come to his house, he always had a drink in his hand. Yeah. He's always in good spirits, but he always had a drink in his hand. Uh, Sunday, it was cowboy western movie day all day, and Jim Beam, Jack Daniels all day. Right. So I think for them, alcohol was kind of what helped them press forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, Vietnam came out. That's when our homeless rate exploded in America. Right, right. Was our mm-hmm. and, then, and then that's when heroin and all the drugs of the 60s, the acid, the marijuana. That's when all that was taking effect. But again, our homeless, uh, you know, guys and girls were just checking out. I'm just I'm done with society. I'm just going to go live under this bridge and just deal with my own demons. Right. And then again, prescription meds come in, and now we have a suicide epidemic. And, you know, no offense to the coronavirus, which is a bunch of BS. Everybody's promoting anyway right now. But, you know, you want to talk about a real epidemic. Nobody said one word about 22 veterans commit suicide every day. You know, we're talking about, what, 14 people that have died from the coronavirus? And, the, yeah, and, and there's, no like toilet, there's no toilet paper left at Costco now because of craziness, right? And But you say, oh, 22 veterans are committing suicide every day. Nobody bats an eye. Nobody blinks. Yeah, like, oh, sad. I hate to hear that. I hate to hear that. You know, no, sure. it's, I'm done with all that. I'm done with that. And there's more than enough education out there now. There's more than enough awareness. Veterans, if, if you've been, again, if you've been living in the cave, that's about the only way you're not going to know about the awareness of veteran suicide. Yeah. So what is going on? And one last thing for any veterans watching this, if you have been to a funeral and you, one of your friends have committed suicide and you see their family and you talk to their family, Veterans, a lot of these veterans commit suicide thinking they're doing their family a favor. If you've been to a funeral, you know that 
they did not do their family a favor mm-hmm. by taking their life. And if you are a veteran that been to those funerals and you take your life thinking you're going to help your family be better, look and see what you, what those families are going through by losing their loved one. It's mm-hmm. not helping. You're not going to help your family by taking your life. It's not going to happen. So man up, fight through it, get off those freaking drugs and, and get to it. And everybody I've seen and talked to that have made that transition, they all, the light bulb has went off that I have to get off these pills. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not taking these pills no more. That's the light bulb that most of them have gotten to. Like these pills is what's causing it. Spouses. I, I've talked to a lot of spouses that have said, I'm taking my husband's pills. He's, he's out right now. I'm taking everything, getting out of this house. And I'll come back in two or three days. Wow. I'm taking all the guns. I'm taking all the meds. We're done with this. And if we got to get divorced, that's great. But we're not, he's not taking no more meds. I have talked to spouses that have saved their husband's life by doing that. And wow. the husband's been, oh, if my wife didn't do this for me, who knows what would happen? So, again, uh, yeah, I'm very, very passionate about it. My partner's very passionate about it. I can tell. And again, that's good. We just want to. We just want to create a program that can help. And it's not just a veteran community. I have the same thing in the athletic community now with retired athletes. Um, a lot of them are the same thing, getting hooked on it. You don't you don't hear it on the news, just like you don't hear the veterans suicide on the news, unless they're a – if Joe Montana committed suicide, you would hear it. Yeah. You know, if these top 10% players of all time would commit it, you would hear it. It's not top 10%. It's, it's, it's the bottom 10% that played one year, two years. Some guys played seven, eight, had good careers, but they are not that household name like a Joe Montana – that are taking their lives, mm-hmm. uh, you know, dealing with the concussions, what happens? I got all these head injuries, pills to help with the concussions. Right. And then here, uh, here's where I'm at. And yeah. our law enforcement, 14 a day. And we actually have 129 suicides per day in the United States. Nobody's talking about. And I would say probably easily 75, 80% of that is because of prescription meds. Wow. Yeah, that's terrible. So I'm all for, I'm all for president Trump fighting, putting that fight on and trying to help, get rid of a lot of the prescription meds and also trying to help lower costs and educate people on, on the, on the side effects and what this does. Right. Just long-term solution. Yeah. Yeah. I fully agree with a, a lot of what you're talking about there, man. And, um, kind of comes full circle to what we do with veterans path. And we introduce vets to the life changing and quite literally the life-saving practices of meditation and mindfulness, which we've discussed in the past. What's, uh, what's your experience in this arena? And, and do you see veterans practicing? Do you see athletes practicing uh, mindfulness and meditation? And then do you have a, a personal experience with, with those at all? Yeah, well, you know, I, I mean, I've had probably six concussions in my life. Uh, my car accident when my head went through the windshield, uh, you know, you know, my wife said I had traumatic, traumatic brain injury long before I had the accident. So I'm going to go off her path. But, you know, I don't take any meds whatsoever myself personally. Um, I do have to take a five hour energy every morning, kind of get my the fog out of my head to kind of yeah. get ramped up. If you can't tell. But um, beyond that, I don't take pills. But the other side of it, what I see in the veteran community and athletic community is from the time you're 18 years old, whether you're an athlete, uh, veteran, um, let's just start there at 18 from the time you come into college, you come into the military, you kind of, as your career develops in both career fields, you always have somebody telling you what to do, where to be, what time to be, whether you're in college, this is what we're wearing to the game. Yeah. This is how you dress. You gotta be here this time. You got child this time. Same thing in the military. It's the same deal and camaraderie in both play an amazing part in, in everybody's lives. Totally. Camaraderie as, as a sports team, camaraderie as a, 
a veteran. And I tell people all the time that veterans and athletes, they're the same people. They just t chose different career paths. So whether you talk to a veteran or an athlete, they're both A personalities that we're going to get things done, right? And we put the effort in, we're going to get things done. The problem I see for a lot of that is when you get out of the military or you get out of the, your professional career and your last day walking out of that NFL facility, your key code don't work no more, or you're leaving base and you don't have your ID card no more, you're turning that in and they're going to scrape your scrape your decals off your window and good luck to you. And you leave that yep. base for the last time. And, um, and then again, if you're not already set up in a community of support, you kind of get home and do, what do I do? And same right. thing for disabled athletes, disabled veterans. Um, you know, when you're disabled, I got a paycheck coming in. Maybe I don't need to work, but then you're at the house all day and you're kind of away from everybody. You're not interacting with very many people at all. And I think that's what, you know, the, all of a sudden the walls start closing in on individuals because of that, right? And so that's the biggest thing is, you know, when I tell veterans, like, man, even if you're disabled and you don't have to work, there's other things you can do to stay engaged uh, in the community, whether it's, again, volunteering, um, just getting a regular nine to five, freaking $10 an hour job if you want. Just get engaged. Get back into the community. You're an asset. Uh, whether you're an athlete or you're a veteran, everybody's been through adversity and knows how to overcome adversity in both of those career paths. And you are an asset that you can get out and help other individuals do the same. Yeah. And, you know, people look at those individuals to be those people to lead. And when they see those people and they're not leading and they're kind of all over the place, a lot of times, man, I'm just, you know, gosh, if they can't make it, what, what, what's my chances, Right. And every day, man, life's hard, no matter what you do. I mean, it's not easy, yeah. right? I mean, yeah. gravity's here for a reason. And it's the same way with your emotions, with your physical. If you don't get up every day and work your rear end off to stay disciplined, to keep gravity from pulling you down, you're going to get pulled down. And again, it's, you know, a lot of people say, man, um, I love what you're doing. You know, how'd you get there? And it's like, dude, I've worked my rear end off. Like, do I want to get up at 5 a.m. to go have my trainer try to kill me every day? I mean, I think my trainer, my wife's got a, a side deal going that if he can kill me, he's probably, <laughs> going to, he's probably going to get a cut of the insurance policy, I think. <laughs> I would hit him every day like, what kind of side deal you and Jessica got going on here? You're trying to flatline me out here, man. I'm almost 50 years old. Like, I don't need to be like Marky Mark freaking in shape. Just <laughs> give me another five or ten years out of this body. We're going to be okay, right? But, um, you know, it's, it's, again, engagement and then um, – you know, again, self-discipline that, hey, I don't want to get up at 5 a.m., but I'm going to get up at 5 a.m. and we'll get my workout because that's really the only time I can get it in because yeah. I have other things i got to do with my day. Yeah. And structuring my day and structuring my appointments and not wasting time and making sure I get the most out of my time, right? And, again, in my book, Stop Whining, Start uh, Winning, on Amazon.com, um, it, it, you could probably read that thing in about 30 minutes. And we actually came back with the 2.0 version of a workbook, so you can actually take notes in this book. The, the one of the second editors who came in was like, mm, I love your first book. We should have done it like this the first time. Would you be willing to redo it? And yeah. we sold over 10,000 copies. It's done great. Um, but I give them out to high school football teams. I've given them to churches uh, everywhere I speak. Um, I'm usually handing them out. My Again, my publishing company is like, dude, you're killing us. Like, uh, start promoting it instead of just giving everything away. But that's why that book is written, to help people. Like, I, I don't I don't need the money for it. I need people getting something out of it. So, it's one of those things that, again, anybody can get started today. Like if you don't like where you're at in your life, 
change it. If you don't like the direction your life's going, change it. A lot of people have a tendency to focus on today's pain instead of focusing on tomorrow's promises. Of if I stay faithful and do this, mm-hmm. this is what's going to come out of it, right? And that's kind of what I keep telling people when they call me, go, oh, I'm kind of going through this, going through this. And it's kind of like, man, quit focusing on what's going wrong. Why don't you start focusing on what's going right right now in your life? Yeah. If you start focusing on that, all of a sudden what's going wrong will fix itself. And if you can't fix it, why worry about it anyway? If you don't have a solution to fix a problem today, no reason to worry about it. Keep pushing forward. Yeah. Right? And I think that's the piece where, uh, you know, mindfulness comes in is that a lot of the time we are trying to fix something that we can't fix that happened in the past and there's, there's no reason. So we just need to start moving forward, start focusing on what's going great in the present and start thinking about what, what we can do better right now to improve our future. So, yeah, I, I like I like that. And that's why, so. and that's why I refer a lot of people to the Lone Survivor Foundation. Yeah. Because that's what the Lone Survivor Foundation does. They help our veterans um, get reengaged with themselves. So the veteran goes first. I think 12 months later, the veteran, and they stay with them for the 12 months. After the 12 months, then um, the veteran and spouse comes, and they spend a week of reengaging and working together. Yeah. And then it's, and then the spouse and the, husband, the the spouses work together. And then I think at the 18th month part, they bring the whole family back in to work with everybody at that point. And then they continue to stay with you, right? And again, um, I think a lot of it is um, it's so easy to let the devil get in your head and start, you know, giving you the despair or, you know, wow, this is happening or this could happen or, you know, just dis- discouragement, right? In your, yeah. in your own mental. And I think 90% of our problems are just ourselves up here creating problems for ourselves and thinking of what could happen. It's not even happened. Yeah. But, oh, my God, this could happen. Absolutely. And it just completely derails us, right? And it's very, very hard to stay mentally strong at all times. Um, when I'm mentally worn out, and trust me, I get my rear end handed me probably twice a day, if not more, every day. <laughs> There's something that just doesn't go my way every day. And, again, when it happens, it's, can I fix this now? If I can't, let's table it. I don't have time to worry about it. Yeah. So let's keep pushing forward to what's going to, you know, what can help everything. Sure. Right. Let's just keep pushing forward. And, um, you know, and I think about, uh, you know, the story Don Graves told me about the, about the boys, those young men hitting the beach of Iwo Jima mm-hmm. is if you're not dead. You keep pushing forward. Right. And that was kind of the thing that they were telling them. If you're not dead, keep yeah. pushing forward. Yep. Right. And don't stop. Keep pushing forward up that mountain. And that's, you know, what Don said kept in his mind the whole time. And I'm thinking about Don Graves, who's about 5'7", carrying a flamethrower, you know, the flamethrower thing on his back in those yep. old days. He's got a rifle, he's got a flamethrower. And you think one bullet away from hitting that flamethrower, that, that pack on his back, and he's ashes. Yeah. And this guy is freaking trudging through water, up the beach, helping friends, saving friends, you know, moving, moving on up the, the ranks. And... uh and help take that island over. And that's where you go, yeah, that's how we should be daily in our lives, is mm-hmm. that type of mindset of if we're not dead, you're pushing forward. Stop and help your friends. Take care of your comrades. Keep pushing forward with yourself until yeah. you reach your goals. And that's the other thing. I mean, the last one last final thing is most people, I guarantee you, listen to this, probably don't have their goals written down. Oh, yeah. Kind of yeah. have, have an idea what they want. But I guarantee you, most of them don't have their media goals, long-term goals written down, uh, whether from personal, professional, financial. Um, and, and again, it's kind of like, well, we're going to 
we're going to push away from shore in this boat. We know we want to go to, we want to end up in the UK. We really don't know how we're going to get there. You know, we're just going to push off and we're just going to head east. Yeah. And that's not really going to pull it off for you, you know, in the same way in life. That's not going to pull it off for you in life if you just every day wake up without a plan, every day kind of keep pushing through without knowing where you're going or, or what you're trying to achieve. Sure. And, um, and man, we're all busy. We all have things going on in our lives. And, again, life is not easy. And uh, trust me, the higher you go up the ladder, be careful what you ask for because the more responsibilities you have just means more headaches. Yeah. And there's days where I kind of look at myself and go, why am I even doing this? And then I remember why. <laughs> and it's like, okay. And then we keep pushing forward, right? Yeah. But it happens to all of us. It's just how some of us deal with it is what determines who's going to be successful and who isn't and who's going to be able to get to where they want to be. It's just really how you deal with the, the problems that come. There's just short-term problems. It's, you know, there's always a rainbow after the storm, but everybody's got to go through the storm, right? True, true. So, well, brother, as we get close to the end of the show, what have we not discussed that you want to make sure our listeners take away from today's episode? I mean, you've, you've, uh, you've given us some great stuff here. What have we not discussed? Yeah, my gosh. Those <laughs> have been on here for hours. Uh, well, they, everybody can go to verveforever.com, V-E-R-V-E, forever.com, or just buy Verve, uh, B-U-Y-V-E-R-V-E, and uh, 50% off. The, the code is uh, VET, V-E-T-50, all there one you go. word, V-E-T-50. Get your stuff, type it in, and uh, you'll get a 50% discount. And nice. if you have any issues, my email is actually on the website or in contact. Just send me an email or call the corporate line. You can get a hold of me if you have any problems or, or need more info. And um, besides that, my biggest thing is just, um, you know, God didn't make us to be ordinary. He made us to be extraordinary. Yeah. And that's why I tell people all the time, like, man, God didn't make you to be ordinary, bro. Like, you are a freaking extraordinary individual. You just haven't figured it out yet. Right. And that's what people need to start figuring out. Like, hey, I, I'm here for a reason. And one thing I do, it drives my wife crazy. It drives my partners crazy. It drives our employees crazy. Is they'll come to me with a great idea. And I'll go, man, it's awesome. What else? What else? What yeah. else? And what's funny is they're here and they're all like, but there is no what else. Oh, there's a what else. I promise. <laughs> go back and think about it. Right? And then all of a sudden, guess what? that it goes from here to there goes from here to there and that's what i do every single day i'm looking at something it's like okay it's a celebrity game we're doing all these things what else can we do mm -hmm. what else or here we are we're dealing with this verb today what else can we do what else that's the thing i always and, and two things i tell people all the time they'll call me say hey, tk i'm doing this i'm doing that I, this is going great for me. this is going great for me and same thing what else think bigger you're not thinking big enough and that's the other thing we all need to start doing think bigger again God is waiting on you to just have a little bit of faith in him. He's going to give you what you want. If you put the effort in and you just stay faithful, you're going to get where you want to be. But if you got to get, I, I tell my kids this when they were in school, I said, your only job is to go to school. How can you not make straight A's? I don't, I'm not understanding this. I'm not understanding it. Well, you didn't make straight A's because your dad's not smart. I'm trying to tell you. How can you go to school every day and not make stress? That's your only job. That's your only job. Yeah. So when, when I was in the corporate world and I would, if, if I really got onto my employees, that's what I got on them for. Not because of lack of product or not because they weren't good or this or that. It's because it was like, listen, you're away from your family here eight hours a day. Yeah. And you're doing X amount of smoke breaks and you can do what you want. But my thing is, if you have a guy making $150,000 a year, 
with the same computer, same phone, and same access that you have, and you're making $60,000 a year, how can you sleep at night? Because mm -hmm. that guy, honestly, he's not really that much better than you. He's probably that much better than you, and it really, that's effort. He's not taking 20 smoke breaks. He's not going around talking, getting 18 cups of coffee. He is in here focused and grinding. And that's what I would tell people. Like, man, if you're going to be away from your families here, you owe it to your families to get the most you can while you're here. Yeah. Why would you not make the most you can for your family when you're sacrificing your time away from them, which is the most important thing in life? Why right. would you not be getting more out of your day? So whether it's your job, whether you're, you know, don't become a paycheck player. Don't become that person that just drives to work, check the Fred Flintstone and check on the way out. Right? <laughs> like if you're there, man, get to it. Right. If you're working out of the home or whatever you do in life, take it to the ultimate level that at the end of the day, you should be exhausted mentally and physically at the end of the day. And that way, you know, I put it in today. Yeah. That would be my last thing with everybody. And again, even with my kids in school, in college, and the way I could always get my kids' grades on, on track, even in college, was, hey, it's real easy. You don't pull those grades up to uh, 3.0 plus, go get a J-O-B while you're at school. <laughs> I'm taking y'all payroll. Guess what happened? 3.2, uh -huh. we'll just get just enough, right? So we can keep on dad's payroll. We're not down here. We're up here. We're... But again, even then, I knew they were still only giving me probably 80% of what they could actually do, right? Yeah. But that's still good for me to get them through. But Again, that's my mindset on how I look at it. God did not create you to be ordinary. He created you to be extraordinary. Right on, man. Amen. That's my final thought. Well, Tim, it's been awesome having you on the show. Thanks so much for being Same with here, me people. today. Thanks for having me. Yeah. I for our it. listeners, man, uh, thank you for listening to our show. Please check out Veterans Path online at veteranspath.org. Share this video. Yeah, absolutely. Share this video. We are on social media. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter and YouTube. And if you're enjoying the podcast and now the video, hopefully please hit the subscribe button and share it with your friends and family. And remember listeners, you can directly support veterans path by clicking on the support button on the podcast or by visiting veteranspath.org forward slash donate. Thank you all and have a blessed day. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode of veterans path podcast. Please follow us on social media and think about sharing your story with us there and potentially on the show. Together, we can make mental health a priority, improving and saving lives.